Thank you. Thank you. Anyone out there? Well, what an exciting week. A new year is upon us. Not only that, but the Colts play today for a chance for the playoffs. The Green Hornet comes out at the movies pretty soon. That's pretty exciting. I will be one of the first to see that movie. See, one thing you have to know about me is that I love to go to movies. Movies have always had a way of brightening my day and softening my mood. And I think the reason that is for me and probably for a lot of you is because movies always finish good. The hero always gets the lady. The bad guy's always caught. The marriage is always saved. And unfortunately, life isn't like that. And I think that's what draws us all to movies. Now, if movies were based on real life, we wouldn't go. We wouldn't need to pay $10 to watch marriages get tore apart. To watch people lose their houses or their jobs or their dignity. You know, we see this every day. A lot of us have starred in that movie. Instead, we watch movies to be inspired. A lady wants to cry at the end when Edward embraces Bella in Twilight. Or when Demi finally sees Patrick and they touch hands in Ghost. Or when Meg and Tom meet at the top of the Empire State Building in Sleepless in Seattle. Now, a man, on the other hand, we want to be able to thrust our fist in the air in victory as Neo finally stands up and believes that he's the one in the Matrix. Or when William Wallace convinces everyone that it's better to die for something than to live for nothing in Braveheart. And every good movie has the exact same plot. It's the same outline. It has an initial goal, which is a reason for doing something. Then there's obstacles that get in the way. There's adversity that has to be fought through. And then everything works out. The happy ending, the miracle, the persistence finally pays off. I think about Rocky. Grew up on the mean streets of Philadelphia. Dreamed of a better life. He wanted a shot. He got it, but nobody believed in him. Even Mick, his trainer, called him a washed-up bum. But he kept believing, and the Italian stallion rose to the occasion, and he gave Apollo Creed, the heavyweight champion of the world, the fight of his life. And he got the girl. Now, if Creed would have pounded him in two rounds, laughed at him, took Adrian away from him, that wouldn't have made a very good movie, would it? So a great movie has to have a great story. And a great story usually has many great small stories evolving within that. And when you think of a great story, you think of the Bible. This is the greatest story ever told. And it has many great stories within this. And today, we are going to focus on one such story. And this story takes place in Mark, chapter 2. And it begins like this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, 
The people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Okay, so you have to realize that Jesus is getting pretty popular at this point. Word on the street is this Jesus guy has been healing people. He's been performing miracles. He's been speaking in a way that was unheard of. So naturally, people were flocking to where he was. They wanted to hear him. They wanted to witness for themselves all the miraculous things that they've been hearing about. Now, here's where the story starts to get interesting. In verse 3, it goes on to say, Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So it seems like a cool story. Another healing, right? More people witnessed, more people believed. But I want to go a tad bit deeper today with this. I want to actually break this story down a little bit more. Now, I've already mentioned there's three things that make a great story. And the first thing is, to make a great story, you have to have a goal. You have to have a goal. A goal, a vision. And if we look at this story, we see the goal. The goal is for the paralytic to be healed. The vision was, if these four guys could get their buddy to Jesus, then he could be healed. So the first step to this story is the goal of healing for their friend. Get him to Jesus, and Jesus can heal him. So this has the makings of a good story. They have a goal, healing for their friend, but it's not enough, though, to just have a goal. For anything you dream... Anything that you wish for, anything that you desire, you have to have that. If your goal is that you want to be rich, it takes more than just having a goal of being rich to be rich. With any goal, you have to take steps to accomplish that goal. And the first step to accomplishing any goal that you have is, number one, you have to believe. You have to believe. Now, Matthew 17, verse 20, says, I assure you, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move. Nothing would be impossible. These guys believed that Jesus could heal their friend. These guys believed that Jesus could move a mountain. Rocky believed he could compete for the championship. Yogi Bear believed he could steal every picnic basket in Jellystone Park. It all starts with believing. Without believing, there's no story. And that's why when you give your life to Christ, when you begin a new life story, you have to believe to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, Matthew 22, verse 21 says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So the first step of accomplishing a goal, any goal, is to believe that it's reachable. Believe that it's attainable, that it's possible. And our goals need to be similar to what's in this story, to what's in Mark 
Chapter 2, we need to find Jesus, just like the paralytic. We need to lead others to Jesus, just like the four friends. And we need to believe that he can change our lives. Now, the second step in accomplishing a goal is you have to have a plan. You have to have a plan. Now, Santa Claus brought my son Ethan a shiny red mini Stratocaster guitar and a little Fender amplifier for Christmas last week. Santa must have forgotten that uh, he got kicked off the bus earlier in the year. But, uh... But to actually play the guitar, it takes more than just turning your amp up really loud and making really cool faces. You've got to actually learn how to play the guitar. And this takes a plan. This takes practice. You've got to develop this plan. And back to our story. The pictures must be posting a little late from when I'm actually saying it here. And back to our story, these guys have got their goal. They believe that this can happen. They just need to figure out a plan to make it happen. So they figured out where Jesus was going to be, and they figured out how they was going to get their friend to Jesus. And like them, we need to have a plan to accomplish whatever goals that we have. And in Luke 14, verse 28 and 29, it says, Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. What is the first thing you will do? Won't you sit down and figure out how much it will cost and if you have enough money to pay for it? Otherwise, you start building the tower but not be able to finish. And then everyone who sees what is happening will laugh at you. They will say, you started building but could not finish the job. So whatever your goal is, whatever it is, figure out a way to get there. You've got to pre-plan. If your goal is that you want to get out of debt, you have to figure out a plan that's going to get you out of debt. And if that is one of your goals, we're going to be beginning a series on financial freedom coming up at some point in February. If your goal is strengthening or possibly saving a relationship or saving a marriage, you've got to figure out a plan to do that. It's going to take effort on your part. Overcoming a hurt or a hang-up in your life or a habit that's causing you pain takes a plan. Remember in this story, these guys put forth an effort. They carried their friend. And each of us, the things that we have to go through, we have to put effort to get over something, to overcome something. But we don't have to do it alone. We've got a church family to help us with things that we carry. We've got small groups that we attend that help us with the things that we carry. And we have Celebrate Recovery, not only to help us, but to actually develop a plan and help us carry this out. And if you are struggling with something in your life, whatever it is, I invite you to come to Celebrate Recoveries on Thursday night here at the YMCA at 7 o'clock. The good news is you don't have to write your own plan. God already has the steps available for you to find healing. So again, sometimes we are the paralytic, needing help, needing carried through the tough times. And sometimes we are the friends that are carrying and helping someone else get through a tough time. 
So the goal is set. The initial game plan is mapped out in our story within a story. But as we know from every good story, from every good movie, things don't always work out quite the way that we hope. And if we go back to Mark 2 and verse 4, it says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd. So this becomes the next step. This becomes the next part of a story. And it's the challenge It's the challenge. Things are not starting well. This sounded so easy. Carry our friend in. Lay him before Jesus. This was a good plan. And since we're talking so much about movies today, this is kind of like that. When new movies come out, a lot of them have the very first showing at midnight. And if you don't make it there by a certain time, it fills up and you don't make it in. And when these guys arrived, they were too late. The place had filled up. It sold out. We don't know why they didn't make it there earlier, but let's keep in mind they had to carry their buddy, so that probably slowed him down somewhat. And he was probably chubby, or I'm guessing two guys would have probably carried him in the first place in the story. I don't know for sure. There's probably... Nothing biblical to back that claim up. But whatever the reason, when they showed up, these guys couldn't get in. The game plan was shot, and they were at that critical junction that all of us face at some point in our lives. And one of the questions that we ask when the challenge becomes difficult is, do I give up? Do I give up? It just wasn't meant to be. Does this sound familiar? This relationship just isn't working out like I thought. Should I give up? My life isn't working out like I thought. It's too hard. It's too tough. Should I give up? And in Matthew 26, verse 38, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's right after the Last Supper. He knows he's been betrayed. And he knows he's about to be crucified. He knows the fate that awaits him. And the Bible says that he is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So this challenge was so great for Jesus that tears of blood ran down his face. I mean, can you imagine how overcome with fear or stress you would have to be to cry tears of blood? And in verse 42, Jesus asked, Father, if it is possible, may this cup of suffering be taken away from me. So even Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, questioned whether this part of the mission was worth it. And like the four men in our story who carried their friend and now they couldn't get in, and now they're wondering, do we give up? And like all of us need to say in those situations, the friend said, no, we will not give up. We've come way too far to just throw in the towel and quit. But they didn't give up. This was way too important. So they devised another plan. Let's go back to Mark 2 and verse 4 again. It says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd... 
They made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Nothing, absolutely nothing was going to stop these guys. They carried him to the roof. That would be a task in itself. Then they took out their DeWalt cordless sawzalls and they actually cut open the roof. First century homes were actually, they had flat roofs. They were composed of large stone tiles which were easy to remove and possibly easy to replace. The tiles were sometimes covered with dirt or sod for insulation purposes, which probably explains the digging that this scripture speaks of. But regardless, a lot of effort went into this. And just like the stories of our lives, sometimes our problems take a lot of effort. But our problems didn't develop overnight, and they're not going to just go away overnight. It takes effort to make a relationship work. It takes effort to get out of debt. It takes effort to repair a relationship with a sibling. It takes effort to overcome an addiction, a hurt, a hang-up in your life. It takes effort to live a life of integrity, a life of character, a life that honors God. And these guys went the extra mile. And it takes effort to give in to God's power and prompting in our lives. You see, being a person of integrity, being a person of character, being a Christian is not easy. It's absolutely not easy. We're faced every day with challenges, with decisions that we have to make that go against what we desire or that go against what someone else desires. Our flesh is always screaming yes, but that little voice inside is saying no, don't do it. Or don't say it. Or don't think it. Stick with the plan. And when Jesus was in the garden and he questioned, do I have to go through with this? He responded, yet not as I will, but as you will. And the same spirit that pushed Jesus is the exact same spirit that pushes us. The same voice that is telling us to stay on the path. And the next question that we have to ask when the challenge becomes too difficult is do I give in to God's power? Do I give in to God's power? Now Matthew 6 verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. You know, God doesn't promise us smooth sailing. The waters are going to get rough at times. Giant waves are going to try to capsize you. And in those moments is when we have to give in to God's power. Tighten your grip. Stay the course. Hold steady. Sometimes that may mean stepping away from something that may be putting you at risk. Maybe it's something that you're doing that's causing these giant waves in the first place. Listen to the voice when it tells you to push on. But listen to the voice when it tells you to walk away. 
Listen to the voice when it tells you not to join in on a certain conversation. Or not to tell that joke. Or not to laugh at someone else's expense. Listen to the voice. As I was preparing this message early in the week, I had just come up with this whole listening to the voice of God part and put it in here. And then something strange happened to me the next day. I swung into the mall so I could go to Ticketmaster. I was getting two tickets to the monster truck show in Indianapolis at the end of January. My, my son loves monster trucks. And I pull into the parking lot at the mall. I open my door. I'm reaching for my wallet and a gush of wind slams my door open and it smashes into a brand new car right next to me. I got out and saw that it put a big crease in it, a big dent in the rear panel. So I had that split-second decision to make a choice. So I hurried up, I jumped in my truck, I moved it to the other side of the mall, (laughs) completely away from there. And then I went in to get my ticket. And as I was in line, God quietly reminded me that I had just written this part of the teaching. This doing what honors God part, this character, this integrity. And I had just made a decision that did not honor the kind of man that follows Christ. So I went back outside, I wrote a note, said I accidentally hit your vehicle, wrote a phone number and signed my name, Chris Bunch. But seriously, I knew, I knew that I had to do what was right. And that's a small example, but we are faced with with big things and we are faced with small things like that every single day. We have a decision we can make. Listen to the voice when it tells you that what you're doing is not right. It's not honoring God. Or listen to the voice when it tells you that what you're doing or where you're at or maybe who you're speaking with could possibly lead into something that could damage a relationship, that could put a marriage in jeopardy. The Bible says we all fall short. We all miss the mark. And we are all capable of doing things that could forever change our stories. Now, some temptations are small, having small consequences. Some are big, having huge consequences. And I'm not going to speak for the women in here, but if you're a guy and you say there's no way you could ever do anything to damage a relationship or damage a marriage, then you're godlier than David. You are wiser than Solomon and you're stronger than Samson. These are three men who played huge roles in the Bible and they gave in to temptations. They failed to obey a prompting and a huge price was paid for it. And when the challenge is difficult, give in to God's power. Do what you know is right. As I said, God doesn't promise us smooth sailing, but He does offer us a safe passage. And these guys in our story knew what they needed to do. So they opened a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend down. I mean, can you imagine what people were thinking? This is worse than cutting in line at McDonald's. People are probably furious. And what do you think the paralytic is thinking? 
Most of us are too embarrassed to raise our hands during worship because people are watching or too embarrassed to say a prayer out at a restaurant in public because people are watching. Imagine this. So we're two-thirds of the way through this story. We had a goal, a game plan. We were confronted by a challenge. Now the best part of every story, the most powerful part of every movie, and that's the ending. It's the feel-good time. It's the part where everything finally makes sense. The good decisions that you're making are finally paying off. And as I said earlier, we all love a great ending to a powerful story. There's so much work that goes into these great stories. There's the believing, the planning, the challenges that are overcome, the giving in to the power of God when the temptations of the world become huge. The last thing I want to talk about is what can still happen even when you've stuck with the outline, even when you've followed the script and your actions are showing character and the decisions that you're making are proving that you have integrity. I want to talk about what can destroy the ending to a powerful story. And the first thing I want to talk about is guilt from your past. Guilt from your past. Let's travel to Mark 2 again. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So hold on here. They put all this work into this expecting a miracle, expecting a healing like everyone's been talking about. And then Jesus said, your sins are forgiven? I mean, that's all great and stuff, but the goal was for this paralyzed man to walk. He never says you are healed, but your sins are forgiven. Why do you think that is? Don't you think that sins paralyze you? The sins of our past can keep us from walking in the present. They keep us bedridden. They keep us depressed. And it's highly likely that the paralytic was weighed down by a burden of guilt, which he had carried, rightly or wrongly, for many years. Now, 1 John 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all righteousness. Our sins can paralyze us. They can sap us from all our strength. They weigh us down. And I mentioned that we all fall short. We all miss the mark. We have all done things in our lives that we wish we wouldn't have done or we wish we wouldn't have said. Stuff that we refuse to let go of that continue to play a dominant role in our lives. It's called the past for a reason. You can't drive a vehicle by looking through the rearview mirror. Eventually you're going to crash. You've got to look ahead. You've got to look out in front of you, out the windshield. And if you continue 
to focus on what's behind you, you're going to miss out on some beautiful stuff that's taking place right now or that's up ahead. And if you refuse to let it go, it leads into the second thing that can destroy the ending to a powerful story, and that's unresolved forgiveness. Unresolved forgiveness. You ever watch a movie, get halfway through it, and decide you don't really care much for that movie? So you stop the movie and you put in another one? Maybe one that isn't as sad or one that uh, makes you feel a little bit better. Or maybe you've seen the movie before so you know the bad part's coming up so you just kind of, like in the movie Click, you just kind of fast forward everything. You skip over it because you don't want to feel that emotion again. You don't want to relive that again. And wouldn't it be awesome if we could do that with real life? We could just fast forward fast forward through all the parts that, that we don't want to deal with. And the reality is we can't do that. We have to deal with the pain of life. And in our story, this man had to deal with the pain of being paralyzed, of being rejected, of being passed by, passed over, passed through. His whole life was lying on his back and probably begging for food and money continuously reliving painful words and memories in his life. The friends in this paralyzed man are thinking that the ending of this story is that he's going to get up and walk. They expected that to be the miracle. They expected that to be the happy ending. But Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus follows with the words, take up your mat and walk. Friends, the ending of this story was forgiveness. The miracle of this story is forgiveness. The ending of this story became the beginning of a whole new story in this man's life. And it's the story of a man who for the first time in his life is able to walk without the weight of the past weighing him down, without it paralyzing him. And do you think that this man ever thought that he'd be able to get up and walk? If you remember when he was lowered, Jesus saw their faith, not his faith. They were the ones who had the faith. They were the ones who believed. Again, that's why we need friends of faith around us. People that can carry us when things start to get too tough. Even when we may not believe at times. Now you may never have to carry your friend or lower them down from a ceiling, but would you? Do you honestly believe that God can move mountains? Inside your heart, do you honestly believe that God can move mountains? Do you believe that God can change whatever situation you're in? Do you believe that God can forgive you for whatever you've done in your past? Whatever's keeping you paralyzed? This has been a story about healing. Now I'm going to play a song about healing. This is a song about believing 
that nothing is impossible. And if there's an obstacle in your story, I want you to believe that God can penetrate it. If the challenge is in someone else's story, I want you to have the faith that God can move it. I want you to take a moment, kind of reflect on your story. If there's guilt from your past, this is a new year. Let it go. Let it go right now. Let it go today. If you need to ask God for forgiveness for anything, do it. Like the story we talked about today, God wants you to take up your mat and walk. God wants to give you a new story for 2011.
again, please, and let's believe that nothing is impossible. beginning of a new year, the time that everyone sets New Year's resolutions in your life, which is fine. If your resolution is weight loss, use some of these steps to help achieve that. If it's the usual stopping smoking. But I also challenge everyone to a bigger goal this year. Put Christ as the main character in your story. Develop a plan that you're going to grow deeper this year. Dive into the Bible. Study these amazing stories. Put the principles that Jesus taught to use this year. Become a doer of the Word, not just a hearer of the Word. Develop a personal relationship with God. You're going to need that when the challenge hits. Keep your focus. Keep pushing on. Listen to God's whisper. Let the greatest author in the universe write you a whole new story. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for 
releasing us of our past. We look forward to a new year, a year that's going to make us better husbands and better wives and better parents and better children. We want to give control of our stories to you. Write us in chapters where we serve other people, where we grow in character and integrity. Thank you for forgiving us and allowing us to take up our mat and walk out of here today into a whole new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have an awesome week. Know you're always loved in this place.